1: Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought,
0: powered by Hook'em.com with your hosts, statesman sports columnists Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first,
1: On Second Thought.
0: On Second Thought, episode 212, brought to you by Bud Light and hook'em.com. My name is Cedric Golden, and as usual, I'm joined by my guy, the Duck. Kirk Bowles and Duck, the eyes of Texas, was a big story this week, so we had to bring in some greatness to give us a unique perspective on it. This week's guest was an All-America cornerback at Texas, a fourth-round NFL draft pick who played five years in the league, blew a signing bonus in like a week, He's the star of the triple option, along with Brad Kellner and Kevin Don. Weekdays on 104.9, 3 to 7, host the Longhorn Blitz podcast. And he's my former partner in crime at another radio station that we will remain nameless for reasons that me and Rod know very well.
1: Rob Babers joins us. What's up, Robbie? I'm doing great, man. And it took me way longer than a week to blow that signing bonus. <laughs> it took a couple of months, couple of months. Uh, but 40 no, man, Gs, wasn't it? Done. Wasn't it 40 Gs? Uh, it was a, a little bit more than 40 Gs, actually, nice. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but uh, it didn't last long in New York City. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. You know how that
2: goes. That could oh, be a league, huh? But it wasn't Dak Prescott's $66 million signing bonus.
1: No, it wasn't that he's gonna get seventy-five million in this calendar year, right? Oh Not man, no. nothing like that. that. But uh, good, for, good that. for Dak, man. Good for Dak. I should have played quarterback, though. Let you know, should have played quarterback.
0: Not a lot of five-nine <laughs> quarterbacks rolling through.
1: Colin hey, Murray,
0: you were, we're before Colin. exactly. <laughs> Who would win a foot race between you and Colin Murray in your prime, Robbie?
1: Oh, I think Colin might get me, man. Honestly, I think I think Colin might get me. I think Colin's a four, a legit four three guy all the time. Yeah,
0: when he turned that he's, corner, he's, for seventy seven against Texas. Yeah,
1: dude, he's turning the corner against NFL guys and mm-hmm. getting getting around them, hitting another gear. That dude, yeah, he's special. He's special. Were you, were you ever a quarterback? No, I was a wide receiver. I know the hands jokes wow. are just right wow. themselves, <laughs> but yes. I was a wide receiver, and I, actually, I was a really good wide receiver in high school How? because I was How? Just, I would just blow past guys. I do I asked him to some highlight catching. I'm talking about blow Odell routes. Beckham style. It was. This is what happens though when and Mac Brown told me this when I started agreeing with the media. I'm blaming the media <laughs> that I had bad hands. He said that's ultimately when I you know the self fulfilling prophecy, right? Oh yeah, well, Larry, Larry. Yeah, when you, so yeah, when you famously media,
0: said. When I, no one's catching the ball on my side of the field, including me. I mean, you said that. That's right. You put that out there.
1: And that's when Matt got upset. He was like, Rod, don't be playing to the media. If they like it, that isn't necessarily a good thing. And I think Mac made a good point. Not that you guys started. You guys are awesome. I love you guys. But that I I shouldn't have started agreeing that I had bad hands. <laughs> I should have been trying to work through it, sports psychology, and I didn't. And it became – honestly, I went from a guy who had great hands in high school to a guy who couldn't catch a cold in college. It didn't make sense.
0: <laughs> you you attended, you, but, uh, yeah, but you had a pick six against OU. I remember that one. Pick six, six uh, against I, OU. I didn't catch – yep. That's true. true that. Aren't too true many that. guys have done that in the history of Texas? I think Chris. Wait- I think Chris Whaley did it against OU, but but hey, as man, far as quarterbacks, there. we lost. They our won game there. One. Yeah, I think yeah. that was my first Texas OU game with you, Rod, because that was was that your senior year? Yep. O2 yeah. was my first year on this beat, and it was oh, the one story that I remember writing, Duck, was Rod B, a profile on Rod B, and my first question to Rod B was, uh, "What's your dream scenario?" As you know, when you get to the league, you go, well, it's two minutes to go and they're driving and they try and they pick on me and they throw out and I step in front of the receiver. I grab it and run down the sideline. High stepping all the way.
1: High stepping all the way. Deion
0: style. Yes. (laughs) And it never happened.
1: I never happened in the league. But I will say that I had a good week that week. Because I think that Oklahoma State week, I did get a game-saving interception. And then Oklahoma, like the next week, I got – which is close to my birthday because I always play Oklahoma right around my birthday. I got the pick six. I thought that was going to propel me to at least the third round, but I was a fourth-round guy. It's all right. If I'd have caught more picks, I probably could have got to that third round, though. Ooh, that's better money. I was dropping money. That's Coach McKinney said, you're dropping money, <laughs> Davis. You're just dropping money.
2: Uh, <laughs> the stupid media. <laughs> uh. Anyway, well, let's get to the discussion at hand. The uh, committee report came out uh, Tuesday, and uh, basically the 24-person committee headed by Dr. Reddick said there was no clear racial intent behind the song and said there was no evidence that they could find connecting the song about uh, President Prather, the Texas president, to the statement about Robert E. Lee and the Eyes of the South. Come on. What what is your thoughts? So, did you buy the explanation?
1: Was it a waste of time? Will it change anybody's mind, Rod? Uh oh. Yeah, I I don't know if it'll change anybody's mind. I mean, we're just in the day and age, but it's really tough to change people's mind, even when you have facts. Uh, In front of them. Uh, But I will say this. I applaud the committee. Um, I applaud Jay Hartzell for allowing the committee. And I've talked to a couple of folks on that committee, allowing them to prioritize historical accuracy. And they even debunked their own story. Ironically, you know, the University of Texas was taking pride at one point. In that Robert E. Lee story, uh, being the inspiration for William Prather's, you know, coming up with the eyes of Texas and popularizing that, uh, getting it from General Lee always saying the eyes of the South are upon you. Mm -hmm. Um, And he turned it to the eyes of Texas are upon you. And, you know, that was oral history. That was folklore and legend. I, I learned that in African-American studies class when I was at Texas and when we learned about the eyes of Texas and turns out, oh, that wasn't true. When they went back and tried to find historical records of it, they couldn't. So they've debunked that point of contention. Now we just have two points of contention. Of course, it was debuted uh, at a minstrel show in blackface. And then, of course, it is sung to the tune of I've been working on the railroad, which, you know, the, the levee song. And people know the history of that, too, because it's very uh, it's racially insensitive. But I think they I think the committee did a good job. I mean, I, I've read most of the report. I, I wanna finish it up actually today, but I've read most of the report and the the accuracy of it and the detail they put into it. It really does show you how the 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 meaning of the song definitely showed it has transformed over time. Started out actually as a, a joke trying to play on William Prater. <laughs> trying to make fun of William Prater because he's always talking about the eyes of Texas are upon you. And it obviously cleverly written and a genius idea and then it just takes off and becomes its own uh it really becomes its own entity and they show how it's used as a political weapon before it's been used as a a weapon of political protest in the past so i I love the history but i'm a history guy i don't think it's going to change anybody's minds um, I applaud the committee and what they did. I thought they did a really, really good job. It, it didn't vindicate anybody and there's no smoking gun. In it, as they said, you get to make up your own mind with it. You can still decide it's offensive to you and decide to protest the song, or you can decide, Hey, I don't necessarily think it's racist. I think it's changed, but I do agree. It's great to have a starting point, a fact-based starting point to have that informed discourse.
0: I love I love it and um, the the one thing I'll say is um, uh, we weren't there so we don't really know what intent was. We here's what I could pretty much assume is they even if it was intentional to offend black folks, I don't think that they cared back then that they were offending black folks cuz so we were second-class <laughs> second citizens and and um, uh, and black folks weren't going to go hey, 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 you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> the, only right. black, the only black man with any stroke at that time was Jack Johnson. He was <laughs> across state lines with white women. So that was a bad Mama Jamma, you know. Uh, so I I didn't yeah. I, I couldn't believe that when I read that book so Jack Johnson was crazy. Oh, and so
1: I'm surprised they hadn't made a movie about it yet, honestly, about yeah, Jack Johnson's yeah, life. He,
0: yeah, they need yeah. to make a movie about Jack Johnson. He was way before his time. Uh I Rod, I I we talked to um Brian Davis and I talked to Dr. Hartzell and, and uh, Richard Reddick, you know, who formed that committee. And the one thing that I took from it that I really was impressed by is they didn't try to fill in blanks. They didn't assume anything. There were parts of that, that, um, that report. And I read, I read nearly all of it, but I ran out of no (laughs) dose. It was a, it was a, it, it were parts where they go, well, we just can't, we can't tell you what happened here, but this is what happened up to now. And so they didn't try to frame, yep. frame the report, but you, you, you mentioned that it has been used as a political weapon. Let's spring forward to recruiting where it's about to be yep. used as a recruiting weapon. Will Sarkeesian be able to overcome these other coaches saying to mama and dad, you can't go down there. Yep. Make your your black son sing that racist song. (laughs) How do Do you overcome that?
1: Houston radio stations, uh, black radio station, Dallas, already talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you 100%. If if the schools aren't already using it as a negative recruiting tool against Texas, they will. And Sark and his coaches better be ready for every question they're going to get when they go into a black household or they got to talk to a black parent. Who wants to ask them about that song and ask them are they going to force their players to sing the song and how? Hey, coach, how do you feel about the song? Do you think it's a racist song? Because I do, coach. You know what I mean? How do you deal with that? You know, and you, oh, man, and you said be- and you said coach that my players are going to sing it probably. Exactly. There were right? no and we know, room there. Yeah, and we know, gentlemen, that I mean, listen, I, I think that the committee did a good job, but there's a there are a lot of different factions on the 40 acres behind the burnt orange curtain so we know now when Sartre came in he must have came in with the big money boosters and donors they must have flew him on the private plane because the first thing he got off the plane he said we're gonna sing it proudly we're gonna sing it proudly and then you got jay hart so now months later saying well if you don't want to sing it you don't have to sing it and if you are offended by it you don't even have to stand for it Which is essentially what tom hermit decided to do he decides to let the players decide for themselves, and then in the middle of all this, you have CDC, who he's got to answer to everybody. Um, so I, I hope they all get on the same page. I'm with you. I think said that's going to be a big talking point for other schools recruiting against texas i'd be using it if i was recruiting against texas and i would plant the questions i would plant the seeds in those in those parents minds i started planting the seeds ask him what he thinks about this uh the eyes of texas is he gonna go out there and stand for that racist song you know what i mean like it's 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 just too easy it's too easy to use that against texas so sark needs to drill home uh all the the questions and the answers to those questions for those uh coaches when they're out on the trail and by the way they need to have uniformity. It needs to be uh, you know, unanimity in what they're saying, and it needs to be consistent. So you don't hear one coach saying, man, I ain't standing for that song. Another coach saying, well, I got to stand for the song, but I don't really want to stand for the song because all this stuff will come out on social media. It will be reported by some guy on the recruiting beat. And I'm interested to see what's going to happen, man. It's going to be a, a test. I don't know what Sark's going to do. I, uh, you know, whatever they do, and I said this before, just do it together. What happened to Tom Herman, well, number one, he lost. He, he lose. If Sark wins games, it doesn't matter who the hell protests what. Nobody will care. <laughs> people, people disagree with me on that, but I'm telling you, if Tom Herman had won the Big 12 title, we Still wouldn't be, be talking about this. Texas lost to Oklahoma, and then that photo of Sam came out. That's when the ice stand with Sam Domino starts to fall. If you'd have won that game, that photo wouldn't have been a damn thing. We'd really have kept it moving, and we're like, man, Sam out there by himself. Oh, well, who they play next week? That's how it would affect, because winning cures all. So, number one, Sark's got to win, but I think Sark, and this is why CDC's got to help him out, make sure that he's got help in the messaging. Right. The messaging to the recruits is going to be really, really important. The messaging to the parents is going to be really, really important. When I was coming out in 1999, guys, I will not name names. But, you know, I had guys who were being recruited to Texas whose parents were like, I'm not letting my son go to that racist school. Texas is racist. That was in 1999. (laughs) It wasn't a long time. 22 years ago. Why well, had parents telling me you're going to go to that racist school? Texas is a really racist place. You shouldn't go there. And my parents were like, ah, it's actually changed. It's gotten better. They did their own research and we went up there and visited and we talked to students. But that was just 20 something years ago, guys. And now we're bringing up all those old ghosts. So just make sure because a lot of those parents, they, you know, they grew up in the same world that I grew up in. and Their parents told them Texas is racist. And now take that that line and that, that thought process is being thrown out there all over again. And I think you're going to have to battle against it during recruiting. Oh, yeah. I just...
2: I don't know if they teach uh, the course backtracking 101 at Texas, but uh, I'm telling you, Rod Babers isn't the only guy that's had to backpedal at that university. <laughs> and, and that may be what Sark is doing. It, it, I don't even know if schools need to use it because it's been everywhere. And, yeah. and like I say, the, the history of bad racial relations between Texas and the African-American community is, is very legendary and it's mm-hmm. well-known. So, you know, the other coaches don't have to bring it up. But, yeah, we know they will. You mentioned uniformity, Rod, and you're exactly right. So, one, I think Sark will have to backtrack on that statement because Jay Hartzell has just said they will not be required to to stand or sing. And and I think come the game against Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns on September 4th, I, I would be very surprised if, if the entire team stands on the field for the singing of
1: the, of the Texas. Won't you? Yes. I, I would be very surprised. And, you know, and even as a player for me, and I hate to think like this, just I know I'm getting old guys, because I would like <laughs> them all to do whatever. I would like them all to do it together, whatever it's, whatever it be. is, whatever, it whatever is. it is. Right. And, And my idea was, okay, you want to protest the song, then let's I want you to protest. I want you to use your platform to protest this song so you can show the world exactly what you believe. But I think there also needs to be a display that we are a family as a football team. We are a family and families don't always have to agree. Matter of fact, they mostly don't agree. (laughs) And but we love and respect one another and we're going to support each other all right so i'm gonna support your opinion i'm gonna support your belief system whatever it may be and you support mine and respect and love we're gonna have that as a basis to build this thing and show the fans that right in this plan so the fans we're dealing with the same thing right we're gonna be divided everybody's gonna be watching robbie is robbie gonna stand for the eyes is he gonna stay around what are you gonna do everybody's gonna be watching me want to talk to me about the eyes? And I'd like it to be a situation where we just have mutual respect for one another. And if I don't want to sing the eyes, then I don't sing it. And if I do want to sing it, then, then great. But I, I want them to do it together. So I, I wanted them to, the players kneel and protest, you know, a uh, black fist in the air. If you didn't, you know, want to observe the eyes of Texas after those who did, they should sing the eyes of Texas or whatever, but they do it side by side together. On the field together, showing the world that is how the Texas family is going to operate going forward. We're going to do it together, but we gonna, yeah. We're not always going to agree, but we're going to support and love each other. It's not going to divide us. It's going we we're going we're going to be together, but we just going to have different opinions. And I, I, I'm just we're probably not going to see that. That's a you know very idealistic view of things. But I hope that Sartre could be able to. To, to, to plant that message in the young guys. But, you know, the guys staying in the locker room, they have a right to do that because they think the song is so offensive. They probably don't want to be out there for it. I would have brought Nate Boyer, and I would say before, I would have brought Nate Boyer, Manny Acho, and Matthew McConaughey on board <laughs> to help have a dialogue about this thing. And I'd have them talk to the team about it and conduct a, a, a lay panel of it, a panel discussion about it with the players, with the student-athletes, with the intent on, hey, I want you, because the the beauty of the Nate Boyer story that he suggested to Colin Kaepernick, a more respectful form of protest is just, it seems too serendipitous. I mean, Texas should be able to use that. All right? The the young people out there respect that. And Manny Acho, this guy's working with Oprah. God, he's he's hosting the bachelor now. I mean, bring... Bring that guy, bring that black man here who has uncomfortable conversations with a black man. Literally, that's you know one of the titles of his programs, and let him come moderate that discussion between. Fans and uh, student athletes and alumni and former student athletes and bring Ricky Williams on because he's thoughtful and you know and, and you know have have a, a real discussion about it because I think we're all a little bit torn on it. Sometimes I think I want to stand for the eyes. Sometimes I'm like man, I don't think I want to stand for the eyes. Oh, I'm wow. legitimately torn That's deep. at times. That's deep. You know, what I mean, I've always stood for the eyes. It's never been a big deal to me. I, I know the history of the eyes of Texas. Mm-hmm. I've always known the history of the eyes of Texas. Um, but to me, it's not about the song, right? I, Listen, Christmas. We don't even know if Jesus was born on December twenty fifth, but we celebrate oh, Christmas. He was exactly not. right. He's supposed to tell you. And I don't really care about Christmas that much. I do love that the family comes together, though. I do love that. I do like that we hang out as a family together and we have a good time. So I love the What I love about the eyes of Texas that shared experience with the fans and my brothers. I don't really care a damn about the song. <laughs> I don't care the song. I, I really never cared that much about that. What I found out during this experience and this journey was how much people cared about the song. I did not know that. I knew they're racist. Oh, I did. I did. I didn't. I oh, know people cared this much about
0: it. Wow. We get more emails, okay. though. And, and, and we write about it. And here's the thing, Rod. Um, last year, when this was going on, I told Kirk, Kirk, do you remember this? I told you on this podcast. And kudos to the 2020 Longhorns. They got racist names off of the buildings. Yep. They got the film named after the two best black players to ever play here, yep. Earl and Ricky. They got Julius Whittier, got a statue, the first black letterman, and they got money for black causes. Yep. I, but then I wrote, but that song is never leaving. <laughs> we will all be dead. We will all be dead. And they will be like, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's, that's happening. That's, that's happening. And the thing that's going to kill me is when a national recruit has Texas as a finalist, and just can't pull the trigger. And then when they ask him, "I can't go to that racist school," so where are you going, Mississippi? Really? Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's gotta happen. That's gotta I happen. I don't know about the Mississippi, Mississippi. part. With people in Mississippi, oh, people in Mississippi and Alabama are saying you can't go to that racist school. <laughs> really? I Great just... point. Austin Red, is a melting pot. This is the most liberal, progressive... A liberal hub, they A say, liberal right? hub, the most oh. progressive city in the, in the, wow. in the state. And but you know what, guys? It reflects the city right of it. Austin. Yes. I read a
1: stat the other day from, 20, from 2000 to 2019, the city of Austin had experienced 20 to 22% growth in its population. And yet the black population has actually dropped in the city. It is the only city... That's in the top ten fastest-growing cities in the last ten and twenty years that had the black population drop. The only city. You know why?
2: Partly, probably because this has become an unaffordable city.
1: Oh it's, yeah, number one. Yep.
2: Yeah, It's just so damn expensive, you know, to yep. live here. So, but the How
0: do you pay for your house, Duck? Your, 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 your. Well, 12, I've had um, to have imagine.
2: I passed that hat in the press box. So but you know, one thing I like to clear up too and I ask you both is that the image for Texas has really taken a hit. It has been tarnished around the country and in some cases justifiably so. That hate mail and vitriol spewed out by some of these rich white Uh, super affluent donors has just been despicable. I think we all agree with that. The one thing I feel like that obscures is that I think most of the rank and file of Texas fans, and I'm not speaking for black athletes and I can only speak as a white man. I think the rank and file love that song. My dad as Cedric knows, you know, he was on the football team here at UT in the thirties. He wasn't a player. I mean, he was a player, but he didn't play in game, but he was on the team uh, in the 30s. And myself and my three brothers all went to school here, as did the, one of my three sons. And so, you know, we always did sing that song with pride, like Sarkeesian said. And yes, times change. And like I said, we're not going to clear up too many people's in his minds, but hopefully we're going to open them somewhat. If they're just, there's a little less reason to hate. And if there's more reason to find that common ground and realize we all want the same things with dignity and respect for our fellow man. I mean, yep. that's my hope is that that's the one thing that comes out of this the most from some people, even though some people's, their minds are never going to change.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I was actually, I, mean, I think I was talking to um, my man Corey Redding about this, and this was actually a, a little while ago. And you know, we were talking, you know, kind of on a, a macro level about it, about Texas. And I said, you know, I I I felt I, I've experienced nothing but love as a a Longhorn as a black man, and even here in Austin, right. A lot of my black friends ask me, hey, why do you still live in Austin? You know, they don't think Austin's a very hospitable place for people of color. Um, And I say, I love Austin, but I'm privileged in Austin to a certain extent, right? I'm a, I'm a privileged yeah. black man in Austin because I am accepted into the Longhorn family. And this is the Longhorn hub. Mm-hmm. So I, I got told my mom was like, why don't you move back to Houston? She would always say, move back to Houston. I've gotten job offers, Houston and Dallas. And it's like, no, I think I, I want to raise my family in Austin. I love the city of Austin. And part of that is because I love the University of Texas. And so I've met the fans at the University of Texas. So when this whole Eyes Texas thing became, you know, political- theater to a certain extent for some, I understood how it was hurting real fans because I'm with you, Kirk. I, you know, like I said, I care about the shared experience I have with the fans. When I sing the eyes of Texas, I care about how that shared experience with my brothers. That's what meant a lot to me. The actual song. Didn't I think that's what people cherish the memories they have associated with that experience. And to me, that's enough that even if the song was, a song that had racist origins or a, a racially insensitive uh, beginning that now it has truly evolved into something else. It has transformed into something else. I can, I can attest to that as a black man, as a former you know, student athlete at Texas, as a member of the alumni, I, it does not mean even, even if it, we can agree that yes, the blackface, uh, the origins are racially insensitive And, you know, that is something we can start. And even the report addresses that. But I think now and what the report tries to get to, and it can because it's more historical act, historically based, and it's about accuracy, is that, you know, we will define now what the song means. The next generation defines what the song means. And us having this conversation about the song is going to be important for that next generation because they'll ultimately decide, you know what, I'm participating in the song because of what it means to me. And the same reason I got I got family and friends that don't participate or observe the national anthem because of mm. the third verse of the national anthem. I me won't too. get into it, but go Google it if you have any. Google that. Google yeah. That. Google that, and they, and they, and that's the reason why, right? They say it's racially insensitive to us, but I stand for the national anthem because I, for me it means something different. It's about my experience with this country and individually what it means to me, and I think for the members of the you know, of the University of Texas, the alumni and the student base, they're going to have to decide ultimately what does the song mean to you? And what what do you want to define it as going forward? And I think a great place to start is just being informed and having the education, right? We're in an educational institution, academic institution, so we're all about education. And this report, great place to start because now we're all more Informed, and we're all more educated. Education, you know, education leads to enlightenment. Enlightenment creates understanding. Understanding promotes patience. Patience precipitates love, and love will engender unity. We want to get together. That's going to have to be some love here, and that's got to come through us understanding what each other's going through. So, and listen, if I, if I saw, if if I, I do not, listen, if I seek to destroy everything in this country with a racist origin, there would be nothing left.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true.
1: You know, so I, I've always thought, listen, I'm not trying. I'm not seeking to destroy the system because the system is made up of people. But that is you see, the hope is where we can change people's minds. Ultimately, we'll change the system because the system is made up of people. But if I'm going to destroy the system, I'm going to destroy people and destroy lives. I don't want to do that. So I will seek to change the system. I think that's what it, it, Jay Hartson and his administration are trying to do. It's a bold and courageous uh, leap because not a lot of people want to do that these days
0: and and i agree wholeheartedly with that rod and it is a lot harder to hate than it is yep. to love love can build bridges hate builds walls i like bridges i don't like walls so yep. moving forward and this is the last one from me for you um i appreciate you joining us um demarvion Overshawn, very outspoken uh i said yep. earlier this week he called every he called every reporter in america back except me Um, and I'll I'll deal with him later. But um, that locker room, how do they pull it together? That band, the Longhorn Band, that's a big deal. That's a Mm -hmm. big deal. How do they pull that together, 13 African-Americans? Can they pull it together in time to make this thing work this fall?
1: Yeah, let's think about it, right? The irony irony of it is you're going to need everybody to work together to do it. Right, you got how many? You say thirteen African Americans in the band. Um, They're gonna need their white brothers and sisters to help them out in terms of uh, expressing themselves and, you know, being able to understand what they're going through with this whole thing. Because you know, because we can't tell somebody how to be offended. Like I said, it's not as offensive to me, but I understand why it's really offensive. I get it. I get it. And everybody's experience as a person of color in this country is different. Uh, as a, as a white man or a white woman in this country, everybody's experience is different. Some some have more empathy towards people of color in their situation. And some have not are just ignorant and have not had a chance to get to know people of color and actually, you know, walk, not walk a day in their shoes, but at least get closer to that experience in some way, form or fashion. So, You know, I think Sark's got to make sure that Lockworm has an honest conversation, man. Find out which one of those players, which of those players find it so offensive that they don't want to even hear it. Right. That they are so hurt by it that they can. And which which one of those players or which of them are willing to compromise to a certain extent and go, you know what? Um, I don't want to sing the song, but I'll stand for the song. I'll stand there for it. Uh, I don't want to sing or stand for the song, but I'll kneel during the song. You know what I mean? You, you i mean, have that honest conversation as a team and then state like, okay, we're a team. We always set goals, right? This is our our goal as a team. I want us to do it together. I want us to make our statement during the Eyes of Texas together. I, I also want us to really respect everybody's, you know, a, um, opinion and, you know, their right to protest the song, but I'd like us to do it together. And I think that's how it's got to, It's it's going to be tough, but I think they got to start from that point. But ultimately, you know, if people don't want to stand for the song or, you know, observe the song, you can't make them do that. But I think just trying to aim at the goal of doing it with unanimity will that will start us down the road of having true, real conversations And this thing's all about compromise, right? So I think ultimately they got to try to find a compromise to this man. And for the band, right? And maybe the band, they decide, you know what? We're going to let the... Uh, people who don't want to do it in the band, you ain't got to do it. The alumni band, we're going to start having tryouts for the alumni band so we can feel those voids for people of the alumni band who aren't offended, who, would, who wouldn't mind playing the song. And maybe that's the way you do it, right? There's, there's a salute. Some people be like, well, you should just, you should kick them out of the band, not let them come back in the band. I'm like, well, do you really want that story in the New York Times that Texas <laughs> is kicking people of color out of the band if hey, they don't want happens? to play the song? Yeah, you don't want that story out there. So instead of trying to give the New York Times Times and you know the, the Texas Tribune great material to write about that's going to get everybody all polarized and get them up in arms and freaking out. Let's try to find a cons- more constructive solution that will give everybody options. They don't want to see, they don't have to, and then we can still have great optics about it moving forward. So I think they just got to start thinking creatively about solving the problems. It, it ain't going to be easy, guys. I mean, hell, we we're divided on everything in this country. We, we can't even agree on who won elections anymore. So we, can't, we don't. We, don't yeah. know, we can't agree,
0: but I'm kind of happy about the results. But that's
2: uniformity. Uniformity is the goal. It is, and and it's hard for me to see how this uh can, it won't be glossed over. We know that, but I yeah, we'll see it as a, a divisive issue. That's going you know, to, that can fracture a team, as you know, and yep my my differences with the band and the team these athletes weren't weren't recruited and brought here to sing the song okay the band was they 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 were brought here or well, i say brought here they were offered spots on the band to play well you start with the official school song the alma mater so i do have an issue there but i agree with you you don't the visual the image of them getting kicked out for that is not a pleasant one and it's not a very appealing one for Texas. I just wonder if they're going to end up staying in the locker room when the oh, eyes are played yeah. much like the national anthem in the NFL, you know, it's that may be the only way, you know, and here's the thing I wrote about that uh, this week about A&M and the player protests over the Sol Ross statue uh, at A&M center of campus, Confederate general, Former A&M president, former governor of the state, and that was very divisive and very public. And and they A&M has decided we are keeping the statue right where it is. Well, the difference is you don't think about that statue every day. The eyes of Texas every time there's a sporting event, graduation, yep. or so the president sneezes, they play the Eyes of Texas. So it's, it's an in-your-face subject and topic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you, but Doug, you know, you know
0: another reason they're not talking about the So Ross statue? Yeah, they won. They're good at football. They won. That's they, they it. <laughs> true. That's what I wrote. Yeah, they're good at football. That's a
1: great point.
2: That's and, a great point. And, and, and like Rod said, if they beat Oklahoma, that image of Sam isn't the image that people take from that game you know is yeah. it's all about it's not all about winning but winning cures a whole lot and it obscures a lot and yep. the one, thing I, one thing i'll leave it with is that i agree with jay hart the president who said you know we mirror kind of the, the nation's history yep. and, and those were problematic troubled times and these minstrel shows started in like maybe 1830 and the research i showed it's like every president from woodrow wilson to Herbert Hoover to Ronald Reagan, you know, were, were quote, entertained by these minstrel shows. Mm-hmm. to Donald Trump? Yeah, it's racist on the face. You know, I don't know how you <laughs> argue that. So it's such a complicated issue, and it's an important one because the song means a lot to a lot of people, but respect all sides. We're not yep. going to get to love and understanding until we agree to respect all sides and listen. So and amen, good job with it, Rod. Amen, Rod. brother. Man, we appreciate
0: you coming on, Robby. Dropping knowledge as usual. Check him out on – let me get let me get it right, Robby. Check him out <laughs> on the Triple Option with Brad Keller and Kevin Dunn. Weekdays 3 to 7 on 104.9 yep. The Horn and the Longhorn Blitz podcast, 247. He is Rob Babers, and you are not, and we are blessed to know him. Thank you, brother. We appreciate it.
1: Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate y'all inviting me to the, uh, the gangster party.
2: <laughs> <laughs> love it. He, he's, dropping he's dropping knowledge. He's dropping knowledge, not passes now.
1: Thank you, brother. Oh,
0: nice.
2: Wow. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Hey, that wow. was the <laughs> I like it.
0: Man, thanks, Rod.
2: Love you, man. Thanks, guys. Take care. See later. you, Rod. Bye-bye. On Second thought.
0: True crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello. Plus, better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find already gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. Always good to talk to Rod Babers, man. Just, just so full of information and just a, just a, uh, just a wealth of, of info and, and always fun. I mean, he's real. He's just genuine. He's real, and I, I man, I just remember when I first talked to him. He had a, um, he was um, just a just a star of the making when he first got in the radio. Now he's got his hands in all of these pots. And I'm just glad that he likes us enough to come on the podcast from time to time.
2: We like to have friends of the podcast on. We, he's always, he's always welcome here, as you know. And speaking of stars, how about Dak got his money? How about that? Dak got his money,
0: 160 million over four years. Remember, Duck, um, at first, when they were going through this with Jerry, the big sticking point was Jerry wanted him for five years and Dak wanted four. And, and you could have got him for $30 million a year, but that market has changed. And now Dak Prescott is the second highest paid quarterback in the league. Vintage Cowboys uh, always pay more than they should, but they got their
2: guy. What's so weird about that is that was it 160 million over four years. In 1989, Jerry bought the franchise for $140 million, and now he's paying that to one player. What an investment. <laughs> what
0: a Isn't great incredible. investment. And I, I for one, um, I don't think any of them are worth it, that kind of money, but when the market demands it and when yep. that's what guys are making, and Jerry could have had him for Carson Wentz money. He could have right. had him for Jared Goff money. Right. But now – He's got him for almost Patrick Mahomes money. Yeah. Wow. And I know they got I know they got problems up front. They're gonna to have to fix that offensive line, which Duck, it got old overnight. Let's Ooh, just keep it, it real. Is. It,
2: it is. went from and being my, a beast to getting old. Became a liability, and you can make the argument that that Dak is not a running quarterback. He's a mobile quarterback. We hope he'll continue to be a mobile quarterback, but he's not a running quarterback. He's he's no Lamar Jackson, you know, looking for run you know, half the time. So it was, it was, you mentioned Mahomes. Mahomes got, you know, a 10-year deal. And his signing bonus was $10 million. And he'd been a Super Bowl MVP. And now here's Dak. He hadn't won a playoff game. His signing bonus is $66 million. So, you know, it's just kind of amazing. that The money just kind of keeps Going up, I think the salary cap is going to be what 182 million, mm-hmm. or like that. But like you said, I mean, the Cowboys—they're worth five and a half billion dollars. What a what a
0: great! It's the best thing. The two best things Jerry ever done: buy the Cowboys, build that stadium. Just, just yeah. a genius. I mean, we laugh at him and make fun of Jerry Jones. He is one of the the, the smartest, most savvy. A sports executive slash owners to ever come down the pipe. And he's, he's, a, done, he's, a, business he's a businessman. He's a businessman and he's a marketing genius as well. He knows how know to he, sell his product.
2: But you know what he's not is a general manager. Wow. There you go.
0: There <laughs> you she, go. I mean, Just coming after Jerry for no reason.
2: When was that last Super Bowl? How old were, were you? They were
0: they're like. Oh, I know. I'll say this. I was 50 pounds lighter. <laughs> um, I just started dating Bev and I had hair. I'll just say that. <laughs>
2: oh my god. So they're like they're like 25-year-old kids that have never seen the Cowboys win at all. You know, and this is America's team. But uh, you know, I'm happy for Dak. I, I liked him coming out of Mississippi State. I did because because I saw the same thing. You saw the really strong arm and you saw the mobility. It was a tough kid. And, boy, his character is just impeccable. He's a guy you can rely on. So, you know, I'm really happy for guys like that and Pat Mahomes getting their money. I am too. Hey, um,
0: we got to hit this Texas hoops. I mean. It's on. Madness is upon us. And here. um, The Texas men play Texas Tech in the first round of the Big 12 tournament tonight in Kansas City. We'll be watching from the comfort of our own home. I'll be in my, my two-bedroom studio apartment, <laughs> and you'll be in your palatial mansion. What a liar. The Southwest Hills yeah. of, of Austin with your $12,000 tax bill every year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shaka Smart, who we tried to get this week. Oh, and Full disclosure, too. we tried to get Shock on the podcast. This Sorry, morning. guys. <laughs> He's ghosting us. Um Texas had a pretty good year, 17 and seven. Good we year. know, Duck, they go as those guards go. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey, Matt Coleman III. If those guys play well, the Texas Longhorns are in business. They're dangerous. But when they don't, and they did not in the 68 59 loss in Lubbock, which preceded the three game winning streak, Duck, that hey. they're now on. Right, Those three guards only scored 24 points. They need 50 from those three guys to to make some real noise in this tournament. What do you think they are as a team? I I love what I'm seeing right now. The chemistry is there. Greg Brown has finally woken up. And and I think they're healthy and they're past that COVID drama that really put them in a tailspin midseason.
2: Well... I don't think they're peaking because uh, I asked Matt Campbell that question on uh, Monday when we had player availability. And- Matt Coleman. Matt Coleman, sorry. Okay. And uh, he was like, well, you know, we can still improve. And I think part of that was Matt Coleman's not peaking. You know, he's kind of had a, a couple of rough games here, you know, and he hit the one shot uh, that was the game sealer. But, that was to beat, uh, who was that, TCU? I'm trying yeah, to remember. No, no, it was, it was, Iowa it was, State. it was, um, Oklahoma, no, it was the Oklahoma game. Oklahoma yeah. game, like I said, they all run together, but uh, and that was like the only shot he hit, you know, but it was a big one. So, uh, I, you know, I can make an argument either way, and that's kind of the, the so encouraging yet maddening uh, thing about this team is that I could sit here and go, They've got Final Four talent. They've they've got the size down low. They got Jericho Sims, who finally seems like he's finding himself. He's playing more assertively. You know, driving the ball. We know he can guard anybody on the perimeter. As well as protect the rim, and like you said, Greg Brown's coming around. He'll miss a dunk every now and then. Oh my God, I was so dumb. Oh my God, <laughs> you know what? I just it? can't
0: believe that. Let me <laughs> ask you about that. Let me ask you about that before I get back. As, as, as someone who's who's dunked with, between my legs before.
2: Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, but did you ever miss one as spectacularly as that? I
0: wasn't a spectacular dunker. I mean, I wasn't a six nine guy with a forty inch vertical. I I was a guy who could dunk with two hands and and. And but I didn't do the tricks. I didn't have big hands. And I was up there just for a brief second and I punched it and that was it. So and I never dunked in a game in high school. I was a pregame dunker and any game dunks came in college intramurals and pickup. But I never dunked in a game.
2: The other interesting thing about that is that uh, I shock about it. Monday. I know he was asked about it Saturday after the game. but uh, I asked him, yes. I should you pulled him. And he said, Courtney Ramey, as you know, told him, no, leave him in. And asked Courtney about that Monday. And he said, you know, I could just see him really getting down. You know, it's like, okay, go to the bench. You start pouting and sulking. And, and, and that's why, boy, Car- Courtney is so smart. I love smart. him. Doug,
0: I, love him. I love Courtney Ramey. I, I think yeah. – I think, you know, he – now he – just like the other two, he he will fall into a little thing where he'll turn the ball over a couple times, gets a little loosey-goosey with the ball. But he is the sergeant-at-arms in that locker room. He is the bad cop. But he's also very protective of Greg Brown. And I guarantee you, Duck, Courtney Ramey has been in Greg Brown's face more than anyone else on this team when Greg Brown hasn't – hasn't done what Greg Brown's supposed to do. Right. But when he stepped up and went over to his head coach and said, leave him in, mm-hmm. and Shaka, listen, mm-hmm. uh, that spoke volumes because he knows that if Greg Brown can play well in the NCAA tournament, and Ooh. if Jericho Sims continues his upward arc, and no one on the team's playing better than Jericho right now, um, and the guards show up, like we mentioned, they're, they're a player in this thing. No I question. mean, a real player. I'm not talking about uh, uh, a one-and-done type. If they put it together with that talent and that depth, it's an Elite Eight team, Doug. If, no I mean, they could, they could be an Elite Eight team.
2: No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why can't they win the whole thing? If you're an Elite Eight team... You get some breaks. Well, once
0: you get to the Elite Eight, er, er, everything's on the table after that. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't even mention Final Four. If you're if you're an Elite Eight team, then then you're already good enough to get to the Final Four.
2: For yeah. Sure. Hey, Texas Tech came within overtime of beating Virginia mm-hmm. and winning a national championship a couple years ago. And this Texas team is just as talented, if not more so, than that Texas Tech team because it's got so much depth. And it's got very well-defined roles for for Brock Cunningham and for, you know, AJ's the score and Courtney, like you said, he's the sergeant and arms the muscle. You know, if anything, you know, Matt Coleman, is such a nice guy. You know, he's almost too nice. Where, Great quote. Great quote, too. Fun. And, uh, and I think, you know, Courtney kind of brings that street toughness and that grit. They need it's, that. They need you it. You got to have. You got to have. And it's going to kill this team. To lose in the NCAA tournament, whenever that comes, if it comes, but I, I just, I just see this as a team that can just catch fire and keep winning and winning. And I could see a team that just gets to Sweet Sixteen and the guards have an off game. I don't know if all three of them have to have a great game, but two, two of three, three.
0: Two, two of the three, of and 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 those bigs, two yes. of the three and those bigs. Um, yeah. and I'm and I'm putting Greg Brown in there with the bigs because he's in that big lineup, right? Hi, Jones. Jericho, Greg Brown, two of the guards and one of those guys on the interior. If those guys, if those three can show up and they, and their energy level continues to be the same, uh, Kai Jones has his ups and downs, but I, I love him and Royce Ham and Brock Cunningham off that bench. Those guys, they, they bring immediate energy and, and toughness and, and just raw, raw ability to impact games without scoring most of the time. So I, I think it's the best team he's put together. I hope for shock's sake that they win a couple in the tournament because I'm just telling you now, as a three seed, if you don't win a couple in the tournament,
2: then you're probably underachieved. Yeah, you'd be a disappointment if, if you don't. At least get to the sweet 16 and and i think these players would say the same thing you know they know what the expectations are and i just the one difference is that i think this team is confident it's got confidence mostly because of those guards you drive this team you know the other teams that would lose to nevada in the first round or teams like it's almost like i'm not saying it's a false confidence but it wasn't grounded in a in a team like this it's ingrained in this team to win 17 games and to win 11 out of 17 in, in this league you know as cutthroat and shark filled league as this
0: is i still think it's the best league in america uh, i know the How big 10 think? gets a lot of hype uh, there, there's never a bad game in the big 12 never
2: never, never. never. you're absolutely right on second thought
0: That will do it for episode 212 of On Second Thought. Duck, we got to thank our guy, Rod Babers, for joining us. Thank you for listening. Huge weekend coming up. Guys, enjoy the sports. We will be back next week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.